Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, today's episode of the Wingman Podcast is brought to you by Savage. That's right, Savage Firearms. I personally am stoked to be partnering with Savage and shooting their new Renegade. I had the opportunity last year to put the Renegade through the paces on a Montana turkey hunt and perform flawlessly. Obviously, a turkey hunt is not a waterfowl hunt where I'm burning up lots and lots and lots of ammo, but I've had a chance to put that same Renegade through the paces shooting skeet, sporting clays, and trap this summer, and it has not failed me once. I specifically have not cleaned it. I want to see how much dirt, grit, grime, and punishment that Renegade can take before it malfunctions, and I haven't found the limit yet. I've been super impressed with the fit and feel of the Renegade. This thing's just tough. It's tough as nails, and if I'm looking for a waterfowl-specific shotgun, I'm looking for something that I can use as a canoe paddle if I need to, and the Renegade is going to do that and still go bang at the end of the day. You know, there's been uh, lots said over the years about shotguns, but for me, I need a gun that shoots where I point it, that goes bang every single time, and that throws good, even, consistent patterns. And the Renegade has all three. Plus, I can customize the fit with the stock, and that is huge. Because if you can't, if you don't have a shotgun that fits you, you're probably not going to hit very much. And that's a problem. Shotgunning's an art. Rifle, Rifle shooting's a science. Savage has kind of blended the two with the Renegade and brought all kinds of crazy features to bear with the new Renegade. Go online, check it out at savage.com, but more importantly, get your hands on one. See if it see how they feel, check it out for yourself. I have been super impressed so far and I'm looking forward to putting that Savage Renegade to work over the course of the next season. Hey, sports fans, welcome to another episode of the Wingman Podcast. This episode's guest is Jim Huntsman with uh, the Western Huntsman. Jim, you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades, man. You've got a lot of irons in the fire. Tell us uh, (laughs) who you are and what you do. Well, uh, I I think maybe that's why I'm not good at one particular thing. I've got too much going on or something. I don't know. That's not what I, that's not what I've heard, but we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> we can roll with that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, just, just a dude up here in North Idaho, um, uh, hunting the West and, and, uh, real passionate about it. I've been, been hunting my entire life and, and, uh, a lot of irons in the fire in terms of what I hunt. So I don't have any one thing that I'm, uh, you know, uh, get more involved with than, than the other one in, in terms of species that I'm that I chase, but, um, yeah, a few years back, I I've been writing in the hunting industry for a while and, and decided to go ahead and start a podcast. And the, the idea was to get some, you know, people passionate of this thing we do, you know, this primal thing we do hunting and, uh, pursue it on a level to where we can kind of build this coalition against the anti-hunting movement that has been growing rapidly and strongly over the last, I don't know, a couple of decades, uh, and you know, the thought was I, I would just kind of have some conversations locally here in Idaho and deal with Idaho issues. And, um, next thing I know, we're getting, we're getting downloads all over the world. So pretty cool. 
good for you good for you man yeah, yeah i i know i knew that the you know combating anti the anti-hunting movement was a big hot button topic for you and yep. I'd, I'd like to talk about that you know what you do and and kind of you know what your take on all of it is and your you know basically your dos pesos about it i know how i feel um i think we probably have some pretty common ground on all of it but yeah. um north idaho so back to the hunting thing what was were you out chasing bears most recently or yeah yeah i'm neck deep in bear season man i've <laughs> i actually we had we had a really bad winter and so uh just a ton of snow right and so it's been a cold spring the snow hasn't melted so the spot i'm normally hunting is in a it's been you know unaccessible so i had to find a new i, I bait for bears uh, it's super thick. We call it the North Idaho jungle up here. Super thick. There, there is some spot and stock opportunities and a lot of people run hounds, uh, and a lot of us bait and baiting seems to be the best way to kind of, you know, select the right bear that you're after. And, um, you know, there's, I know there's a, a little bit of controversy around baiting, but you know, in the, at the end of the day, we're all hunters. We're all looking for the same end game. And, and, uh, it's, it's a great way we've got like somewhere around a biologist told me somewhere around four bears per square mile up here wow um so it's a huge number most of them are small uh so i've just been waiting for the big guy to walk i've got this little uh he's probably a two or three year old bear and he's just super comical coming in to my bait barrel and i sit and watch him tip my barrel over and bend it and get all the popcorn out and you know he just has a ball uh but yeah it's it's fun man so i'm uh, as soon as we're done recording i'm heading right back up there Cool. Yeah, no, thank you for being flexible. We actually bumped this ahead an hour so I could get to a little league game and you could get to the bear stand. So no, exactly. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, that's a lot of bears, man. That's they have got to be extremely hard on your ungulate population. And I know that country yeah. where you are is thick, like you said, that that North Idaho country is very difficult to hunt um with spot and stock methods it's not that you can't do it like you said but it, it it reminds me a lot of kind of where i grew up you know we had two options for hunting bears it was bait or hounds yeah and with the wolf situation taking off in the northern great lakes a lot of guys have quit running hounds yeah you know they're they're just getting their dogs chomped every time they turn them yeah loose. that happens here quite a bit too does it yeah does it? yeah now where are you at so we're in powell wyoming oh that's right okay Yep. So you're, you're down there with, with, uh, with Scott Reekers and all those guys. Down yep. with Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Scott's, Scott's not, I'm looking at his office right now. He's not in this afternoon, but yeah, mm. this is Eastman's headquarters. That's wingman's a part of that. It's, and, uh, one Fantastic. more, one more, you know, cog in the whole wheel of Eastman's media and Eastman's publishing. Good deal. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I love the pal area, uh, and, and the Cody area. Uh, we used to go there all the time. I'm bear with me. I'm trying to I'll do it. Figure out. So I'm recording. Uh, if you get, you can see behind me. This is my hunting trailer. It is, you're, uh, in a, you're in a camper. I, I, I am, and I'm trying to figure out why this air conditioner won't turn on. Because <laughs> you can see in a video, I'm sweating. So yeah, my wife and I we sold our house last year, um, down in Kootenai County, Idaho, okay. and moved up moved up further north, and uh, we're homesteading up here. So we we uh, we actually live in a fifth wheel. And the new Broken Time studio where we record our podcast is is right here, man, right in this hunting trailer. I love so, it. I love it. <laughs> That's the life. If I can get this AC to work, uh, we'll be in good shape. There you go. 
There you go. Yeah, it's it's a warm one down here today. You know, we is it we're we're on the tails of all that massive flooding that Yellowstone got and Montana. I those poor folks in Montana, man, they definitely yeah. got the, got the worst of it. You know, we're the the watershed systems that we're on here in the Bighorn Basin are all controlled by by uh, dams, and mm-hmm. so we don't have to worry about the flooding that that those big freestone rivers do, and you know, Red Lodge, Montana got absolutely crushed and they're only, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. only like 50 miles north of us. Oh, wow. So How, it was, it was brutal. Yeah. That's, I've been watching that. I, I saw that video that, um, I, I think it was the Yellowstone river took out that cabin. Yeah. Um, which was like housing for the, the park service. Yeah. Uh, it was employees employee, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was employee housing and they evacuated Yellowstone for the first time in the yep. history of the park. Uh, most of them, they sent them out through Jackson just because that's the, that's the safest way out of the park. It's pretty, it's relatively flat to get into, yeah. to get into Jackson. And, you know, if you, you want to come into Cody, you got to go over a pretty steep mountain pass. And, uh, it's with that kind of flooding and avalanche danger and everything and mudslides just was not a good option for folks, but yeah, definitely, you know, prayers are with prayers are with those folks in Gardner and Mammoth and and Red Lodge and, and yeah. all the other towns, you know, Billings has been without drinking water for, I think going on two days, maybe three days now they had to shut no down their, their water treatment facility. And that's, oh, well, I, that's, I didn't know that. Yeah. That, that's a city of over a hundred thousand people without drinking. Oh water. yeah. So that's crazy. I mean, we've yeah. got, we've got some minor flooding going up uh, on up here, like on the Clark Fork river and whatnot, but nothing like that. I didn't know. How did the uh, Shoshone river fail or fair coming out of Yellowstone there? I mean, it got huge. It got, it got as big as, as uh, bigger than it's ever been. But like I mm-hmm. said, they draw down the reservoirs to the point where there's hardly any water in them in the wintertime and they got to fill them back up. So they've been, they, they let a bunch of water through. So the river here south of Powell that we, that we duck hunt on primarily is raging at the moment, but it's coming down. But yeah, I mean, wow. this whole, all this country, we went from ridiculous snowpack in the high country i mean you you look out towards cody and it looked like february up there it was just solid white and now it's it looks like july when you look up there there's not a lot of snow left not a lot of snow left but yeah it's it's been nuts like i said we were spared here i know um a gentleman uh who i had on the podcast back when we first started alex langbell with gundog outdoors he moved just north of us uh, from Washington state. He's in Bridger, Montana. And I called him and was like, dude, you need anything? Is there anything I can help you with? And he was scrambling. He oh, was scra- scrambling to save, to save his house, basically, man. And so that... I was like, I'm going to let you go, dude. You do what yeah. you need to do. Yeah, if right. you need anything, you <laughs> holler, you know, we but... had that scenario up here with wildfires. I, you know, we were, I was helping buddies move, uh, that, that lived up in certain areas, trying to, their homes actually made it the fires were getting super close and they evacuated them, but the, the flooding, I don't know what, what does more damage, man. Cause that you look at that highway coming out of the North end of Yellowstone there. I mean, that sucker is completely washed out yeah, and it's, it's, it's going to take forever to fix. Yeah. I, and I would bet money that they, that they re, they try to reroute that to the best of their ability. You know, that yeah. country coming there between Gardner and Mammoth, is, it's pretty steep. You know, there's, there's a lot of topography to deal with, but I would, I would bet that where they can, they reroute that away from that river. God, you know? it's crazy. Yeah. Well, pray, yeah. praying for them, praying yeah. for them. At least yeah. I, 
Last I heard, nobody's been hurt yet. So nobody got hurt. No fatalities. You know, thank you know, praise God. It's it's one of those things that it how that happened. It's just it's an act of God. You know, that's 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 all that's all there was to it. But yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. You know, I took the the wife and kids and dogs for a walk around Powell here the other night, and there were tourists walking around in downtown little farm town Powell. You know, they're <laughs> waving, you know, a bunch of, there are a bunch of Asian tourists and they're like, hi, you know, and I'm like, oh, wow. They're, and it dawned on me, they, yeah, they're all displaced. You know, they were all in the park and they, yeah. and they had to get out. So yeah, it's, it's been well, it's probably, probably good for the local Powell uh, economy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You hate, you hate to look at a silver lining like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah. But well, Hey, back to, back to the anti-hunting thing. I know that's something that yeah. you're passionate about. Um, and, and I am too, but mm-hmm. tell us, tell us what, you know, how, what's the fight you're fighting? Well, what, what's going on, you, you know, it, the, the hard part for me is trying to have this discussion in a reasonable way with people that are very unreasonable about what, what their perception of wildlife and wildlife management and conservation is. You know, and, and so it, it's it's bothered me for a long time, but but the more that it grows and it grows out of these large metro areas, you know, we're talking places like San Francisco and, yeah. and um, you know, Seattle, Washington, Atlanta, Georgia, these places where they're so far removed from the realities on the ground of, of for example, wolf management or, or bear hunting and how bear hunting is a management tool. Uh, that, that benefits all species. And so, you know, you're trying to have these logical um, discussions with people that are just absolutely drenched in emotion uh, around the topic. And, and all they want to do is they've made up their mind that hunting is bad because animals get hurt and we need to just leave them alone. And, and the problem with that concept is a, it goes against uh, the model, the North American model of wildlife conservation, which is which is one of the most solidly proven uh, systems on the face of the planet. And and two, it's just not based in reality from a sense that we live in a world where we have big cities, we have highways, we have reservoirs, we have trains, all these things that kind of uh, choke off wildlife from their you know decade or hundreds of years of of uh, you know moving around from from summer range to winter range and all these things that it, it it's it's not realistic with the way we have developed north america to expect wildlife to just thrive on their own without any kind of human intervention and it's also not the way it's ever been done prior to you know us being here and the and and the institutions such as a united states forest service and the, and the united states fishing wildlife service you know all these things didn't exist, but we had Native Americans on the landscape that were managing these animals uh, for for to, to benefit them and the animals because they understood the balance. Prior to that, nature did that. You know, when we had the big cats on the landscape around the uh, end of the Pleistocene, there and uh, so and I'm I'm kind of specific or specifically talking about wolves, but when when you when you take all this emotion and it's so easy to propagate an emotional argument and put it in a tweet or a 30-second commercial on TV uh, with Sarah McLaughlin singing in the background kind of thing and just really pull on the heartstrings of, of folks that are so far removed from it 
um, it's very difficult for us to fight. And so my my goal is to find ways to simplify this argument because our issue isn't the anti-hunters themselves. Uh, the 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 recent research I've done, we've got we've got about five percent roughly of of the American population are active hunters, active tag holding hunters. We've you you could say roughly four to five percent uh, of the population are active anti hunters. It's that ninety percent that's in between, and the messaging for us to come at this from a very statistically driven and science driven standpoint with you know this is how the the north american model of wildlife conservation works this is why hunting is a conservation tool and a wildlife management tool it bores people and their eyes glaze over where it's much easier to approach it from an anti-hunting message and say well bears are cute and we shouldn't shoot them right 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 uh and so that's that's been the challenge um and it is ongoing and and as as strong as ever (laughs) you know it's interesting that you say that that I was going to ask you what what percentage of you know anti hunters and what I mean by that is that these are the folks that want to end it all mm-hmm. that you know, whatever 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 costs necessary they want to end it all. This is not that ninety percent that is kind of like yeah okay you want to hunt do you eat it you know do you do this you know do whatever yeah. that may yeah. be. That's where our messaging and that's what I heard you saying is. That's where our logical messaging needs to go towards. And we yes. have done, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but we have done a horrible job of PR when it comes to the North American model of wildlife conservation. Absolutely. Most people, that 90% of non-hunters, uh, again, these are people that they don't hunt and they're not, uh, they're not necessarily for or against hunting, right? But it's a 90%, the, the average person out there. They don't even know what the North American model of wildlife conservation is. They, um, they, and, and they're, when, when I talked about like the 5% of anti hunters, they're even broken into like two groups where it's, it's only like 2% of that 5% are like those real fanatical, mm-hmm. um, you know, active activist types, you know, the, the, the folks that are involved with like the humane society of the United States or center for biological diversity organizations like that. So um it, the other three percent they're against hunting but they're not like activists D- does that right. make sense yeah and no 100 percent. and it's that it's mm-hmm. that fringe minority of that group that those are the ones that i struggle with the most yeah. because those are Me the too. ones that you know we're trying I, for better for lack of a better term i feel like ever since i was a kid that anti-hunting movement has been there and it's always been hunters taking it upon themselves to educate and to talk, you know, calmly and logically to, yeah. and that, that fringe minority faction seems like it's grown. That activist faction seems like it's oh, grown. Absolutely it has, and there yeah. is zero way to reach those folks. Yeah, exactly. And we've, we've got kind of two, two issues with that. Um, you know, the first one being, like I was saying, it, it, well, before I go there, you know, when, we, when you look at the population in, in the United States and Canada, uh, and, and usually when I refer to like like the, the North American population, I'm mainly talking about the United States and Canada. Right, right. Because uh, Mexico has, has uh, they don't have like the, uh, a real strong anti-hunting, you know, movement down there like, like uh, North America or uh, the rest of us do <laughs> up north. So when you look at our population, it's roughly 80 to 85%, they say, are um, 
they are not opposed to hunting and they, they, they view hunting as a, you know, something that people do as if it's like a hobby. You and I both know, uh, like, like for me, hunting is not a hobby. Hunting is my life. Hunting is, it's not like collecting bottle caps or baseball cards. This is, uh, this is my lifestyle. Um, this is, you know, this is how I feed my family and now my kids are involved in it. And it's, it's been that way in my family for a long time. Um, so, so we've got that going for us where it's, it's the general population. The majority of them are not opposed. That doesn't mean they're for hunting, uh, but they're not opposed to it either. Those are the ones that can be easily swayed by propagated messages. And a lot of this comes from like the United Humane Society of the United States. Right. You know, they, they put out these misconstrued like uh, data about, um, bow hunting wounds you know 70 percent of the animals and only 20 percent of them are recovered or whatever but they're using one dumb study that was done back in the 90s on a military installation where you know the the lethality and the you know just the efficacy of of bow equipment and archery equipment back then wasn't what it is today and not to mention it, it was a it was a skewed study um Anyways, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit trail with that, but no, you're good. Uh, but that that is what they do, and they'll they'll take that and act like it's brand new information, and like it's it's all these scientists and wildlife biologists that are on board with it, and they put that messaging out there, and these these people fall for it, and and they they end up donating money to like the United States, or I, I keep saying that wrong, Humane Society of the United States. Yeah. Um, you see, I get a little worked up, so I start mispronouncing stuff. You're good, man. <laughs> but. Um, and, and that's our challenge because again, going back to like a tweet, it's easy, easy to say, put a picture on, on, on social media of a wounded black bear, for example, or, or, a, or a sow that was taken that, that maybe a lactating sow that had cubs and a hunter accidentally shot, which is, ends up being roughly less than 1% of yeah, what it's a black tiny bear number. Is. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny number. tiny number, but they'll take that one picture of this lactating sow that was killed by a hunter and they'll put it up on Twitter and just write bear hunters poach uh, a, a sow with cubs that leave them orphaned, you know, kind of thing. And that, that message, you know, somebody sitting in downtown Seattle, Washington will look at that and be like, man, their, their perception on hunters right. is, is like negative all of a sudden. And, it, and it's hard to change that back. It's hard to convince them that that's not the lion's share of, of what hunting is and hunting ethics. And then to your point, what you were talking about, um, the imagery problem that we have as hunters, uh, social media has not helped this. Um, and and we, we look at the way, I, I guess to put it this way, like my dad and my grandfathers, um, you know, they didn't feel like there was a necessity to have an image for hunters right it it was just a thing that most people did and it was accepted widely there wasn't like an active anti-hunting movement back then so there was no necessity to come out and say you know we need to fix our imagery problem we need to we need to rethink the way that we uh represent ourselves as hunters and and we need to think about how we communicate what hunting is to non-hunters and so you know we would we would sit around and uh, you know 
tote dead deer on the top of a station wagon back in the day and you know blood dripping down the side of the car yep. <laughs> you remember station wagon right oh dude i, I grew up in michigan <laughs> i grew up in michigan so it was like and i grew up in the upper peninsula so when we would go downstate for thanksgiving and come back we would count the dead deer on the tops of vehicles yeah 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 uh, you know coming the other way on i-75 going the other way and 90% yeah. of the time it was a buck or two with a Christmas tree tied to the top at the same time. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it was just, it. and it was just what happened. It was, it was the norm. It but, was just the norm, right? Yeah. Not anymore. No, it's not. It's not, it's not that way. And you know, like where I live here in Clark Fork, Idaho, it's not abnormal to see a, you know, a, a dead deer in the back of a truck or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the difference is, is, is how we transport them like through downtown Seattle to go home or, or, you know, Denver, Colorado or something. But the, the point is, is, is there, there, the necessity to have a good image uh, and, and representation of what hunting is, is a new thing uh, because the anti-hunting movement is a new thing. This is not, they, they act like this is some old fashioned thing to be against hunting. And, and, you know, there's always been those kind of people and, and sure, maybe to an extent there was on a small level, but nobody knew about them. Um, nobody had to worry about that back in the 1950s and 60s and 70s, you know, and it, this is, it really is a relatively new thing and social media has compounded that. So when we get people that represent hunting in a negative light, uh, or I'll give you another great example, you know, somebody poached some elk, I think in Oregon recently, yeah. um, the anti-hunting movement, they take that information and they put it out as headlines as if it were hunters. Right. Well, well, Todd, you and I, we don't poach, so we're not poachers. Right. Poachers are not hunters. And and so it's just, man, it's an uphill battle. And it's it's something that we just can't take our foot off the gas with. Um, we just saw what happened in Washington with their spring bear hunt. And it's that's all what it comes down to. The anti-hunting movement won in Washington regarding the spring bear hunt solely and strictly based on emotion yep. there because the, even the Washington biologists were saying, no, the bear population is very robust. It's very healthy. The spring bear hunt is a great way to manage the species. Uh, lactating subs were less than 1% of the take. In fact, there was like one out of 230 some odd bears taken last year in spring bear. There was a lactating sow. Uh, there was no evidence that the cubs were even still alive because we all know, you know, a male black bear will easily take out cubs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's what happens that, that, that messaging grasps the public, the public turns against something and, and uh, the, the governor will elect commissioners that really have no business being wildlife commissioners and we lose a hunting season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is that emotion behind it is probably the most frustrating part for me. You know, I yeah. remember before I moved to Wyoming 15 years ago, um, we got an initiative on the ballot in Michigan to uh, institute a morning dose season. And man, in the rural areas, it did pretty well. In the greater Detroit metropolitan area, not a chance, you know, so not is a that, chance. And it is was that, all emotion-driven rhetoric. Yeah, yeah, too, too, many, too many kids grew up on Bambi and, and feel bad for them, right? And so- 100%. Uh, and that's, that's another issue is Hollywood has a tendency to like humanize these animals. And, um, 
you know, it just, it kind of develops that emotion. But I, I was going to ask you on, on, you said morning doe hunt. Is that one of those hunts? No, where, morning like, doves, the bird. Oh, morning doves. Yep. Oh, sorry. I miss, I misheard you. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Because I've heard of these states that have these hunting seasons that like end at noon or something like yeah, that. You can, you no, can only it, hunt from sunup to noon or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it wasn't that, but so, I think that's for Turkey. Yeah. In, in a lot of states, you can't hunt past noon. Yeah. Um, but back to, back to the social media thing, you know, mm -hmm. the, the image that we portray is important because we know there's 90% of folks out there who come across that stuff. And if it's portrayed well, it's a positive thing. Yeah. They, they look at it and go, Oh, that's pretty cool. Or man, that's interesting. I, we have a couple of videos um, that are just blew up, just blew up on Facebook and especially Facebook. Um, one is a pheasant hunting video. The other one is it's a, like a, greatest hits compilation type video and they have millions of views a lot of the comments are very much what do you do with those birds what do you eat those birds are you just killing those birds for sport you know uh, and it shows a massive misunderstanding of what it's about and neither one of those videos is distasteful None of the, none of the stuff I try really hard on my social media accounts for wingmen to be tasteful and to be honest about what we do and portray what we do. And we're appealing to hunters, but you know, yeah. there's that segment out there that doesn't hunt that's on the fence about it. And so when we post that stuff, being tasteful and being respectful is important. What, what, it, What's your take on that? What do you, how do you approach that? I think there's, I think there's two levels, Todd, uh, from, from my perspective in terms of you, you have, you have the extreme stuff and I'll give you a great example. A couple of years back, I don't know if you saw this, but somebody, uh, a couple of teenagers, uh, 18, 19 years old, maybe they, they'd shot a deer and I, I want to say it was in the South somewhere, took the deer back and had it hanging in the garage there. Uh, and we're pouring beer into the chest cavity with another teenager underneath the deer's mouth, right? This little buck. And they're, they're like shooting or chugging. What do you call that? Shotgunning yeah, the beer or whatever? Chugging. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, chug it. Chug. It's been a while since I've been able to, to, to handle something like that. So, but they're, they're like, they're shotgunning beer into the, the orifice of the, the, you know, the esophagus of this deer. Yeah. And it's coming out bloody and the kid is under there drinking it. Um, and then they post it on Facebook. The video goes absolutely berserk, yep. wild. What do you think Aunt Betty in downtown Denver or, you know, wherever, St. Louis, sees a video like that? What is her perception permanently of hunters going to be? That's the extreme case. Um, you have stuff like that. That's obviously super dis distasteful. And they were young guys. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. They didn't mean harm, but it's it's that kind of uh, lack of foresight yes. that, I mean, it just does so much damage to us, you know, so that that's that side of it. There's that extreme. And we have a lot of hunters out there that are like, well, you know, I don't care. I am who I am. This is, this is what I do. I'm going to post this, uh, you know, picture uh, and, or video or whatever. And, and you can hear the, the bear doing the death moan kind of things for all of Facebook to hear 
it's stuff like that that just tugs at the heartstrings. And and I don't want to lecture people on what kind of content they put out. I, I, I'm not one of those guys. And that wasn't my intent with this, this yeah. question at all. And and but we do have to consider that social media is very public and and it is also this is where the anti-hunters lurk in the shadows and they're just waiting for stuff like that they could totally take a picture or a video and take it totally out of context and and reach thousands upon thousands of people that will have a negative reaction and and a negative perception of hunters in the future so um, I, I don't know what the solution to that is because I like, a, I like a good grip and grin, right? Absolutely. I, mean, I, I love you, it. As, it, as you should. And, you know, and you, we're all talking hunters. About, yeah. Yes. And you were talking about that, that unapologetic passion for what mm-hmm. we do and what we love. And that has to be there. Yeah, for what, sure. But, what, but we have to think at the same time, you know, there, there was a yeah. thing in the waterfall world going around a year ago, maybe a little bit more where maybe a guy standing there, you know, and guys off camera would be throwing the dead birds into, you know, into the, into the frame. Oh and yeah. I think piles I know and piles of dead birds, you know, like yeah. it's raining, like it's raining ducks, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I remember thinking at the time when I saw that, I was like, man, it use your head, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's like, look at, look at that message. It's not apologizing for what we, for what we're passionate about to be tasteful, you know, where you're showing yeah. in, in my world, you know, it's posing up your posing your, your pile picks. Cause the pile pick is the equivalent of the grip and grin in the big game world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's a way to do it tastefully and where it celebrates like this hunt was phenomenal. Look at this. This is what we, this is what we did. This is the result of hard scouting and preparation and, you know, all these things and the success should be celebrated. Yeah. But there's yeah, a no, way totally. there's a way to do it, you know. Yeah. And that's that's where we run into trouble, Todd, is is like who determines the way to do it? Like yeah, who decides yeah. that? You, you know what I mean? And and I, I don't I don't presume to have the answer to that because like I said, I like a good grip and grin. I you know, I've I've had pictures, I've posted pictures with my tailgate down with a bunch of pheasants on the back of it. You know, I, you know, that kind of stuff. It, again, that, that is what feeds into our lifestyle. We're used to that. It doesn't, for us, we're telling a story and we need to be right. better at telling our story because we are, you know, again, as hunters, this is, this is another issue that we face and, and what the anti hunters use against us as hunters. We're super divided, man. I mean, we, we get people that, want to fist fight over whether or not using uh, shooting a 6.5 Creedmoor is a good rifle or not, you know? And yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, no, it's just, you're, you're absolutely right. Right to yeah. the point where I am sure that somebody listening to this, maybe several people are going to be like, well, who made you the pile pick police, you know, yeah. or, yeah. you know, how dare you question the way that I, and I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm urging folks to think about how that stuff comes across before they put it on social media, you know, yeah. that yeah. that's just I, simply because I always say, Oh, sorry. I cut you off, Todd. No, man, go for it. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, I always say like on my show, I talk about if, if you are going to post a picture or a video or something or, or any kind of hunting content, just think about how will this be perceived by non hunters? Will this do damage to our image? You know, just ask that question. Um, we hunting is not 
hunting can be ugly business, right? I, I mean, we've we've all done things. I've I've wounded an elk. Uh, I've I've wounded a deer. Um, it, it's not always pretty. Sometimes you hit an animal and you just hit it in that spot. It just makes an absolute bloodbath. Non-hunters really don't need to experience that part of it, right? Sure. And I'm not saying that we need to hide what it is or, or, or anything like that. That's because that's always, well, what are you saying? Be dishonest. No, it's not, it's not, I'm not saying be dishonest about what happens out there. I'm saying, tell the story, right? Tell the story, right? What is the point of showing a bloodbath on, on social media uh, or, a, or, a, you know, a, a wounded animal. And, and what was that video? Those kids kicking and beating up on that wounded deer, they hit the yeah. deer and, you know, stuff like that, man, that, that just does years of damage to us. So, you know, we're all hunters. Uh, really, we are a family, you know, we, we, we're, we're all in this together. And so we all have to be, you know, somewhat cognizant as to what it is we are portraying ourselves as, because there's a lot of people that already see us as the savage, you know, rednecks that just want to go kill shit. Right. And, and that's not the point We're we're not, we're, we're conservationists. We care about these animals. We love these animals. Um, th- I, and I'll give you a great example. This is why I hate when somebody uh, gets a bear and they're like, oh, he's not very big, but hey, he, I saved some fawns. Well, that's not the point of bear hunting. Um, I, 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 I killed a, a, another fawn killer, you know, got rid of one more fawn killer. And you're, you're, what, what you're doing is you're portraying it in a sense that makes it look like we have this adversarial relationship with the wildlife. Like the bear is not my enemy, right? The, the bear is not my enemy. Um, I am hunting a bear for the, the, to, to, to fulfill this primal passion and fill my freezer and have these memories and, and have these stories and, and achieve something that I set out to achieve and accomplish. I don't hate bears. And so I go shoot them, right? That's not right. the story. And so it's just, it's how we tell the story. I don't know if any of this is making sense, Todd, but. No, it does. Um, it does. Yeah. If I, if I take that, what you just said, and I rewind this conversation back to the beginning where you're talking about, you're itching to get in the, in the bear stand this evening. And you mm-hmm. got this one little bear that's young, you know, and he's really fun to watch. If you hated bears, if this was an adversarial relationship, you'd have killed him the first night you saw him. And totally. you'd have killed every other bear that you saw as well. Yeah. And that is not it. That is not what we do. That is not what big game guys do. That is not what wing shooters do, whether it's yeah. upland birds or waterfowl or turkey guys. You know, there's there's a real situation in the world of turkey hunting right now where they're really questioning methods of take, where, you know, the, the whole reaping thing, where you're fanning a bird and they come running right up to you and you shoot them at point blank range and it's it can be an incredibly effective method of harvest i've never even heard of that i but it's yeah it's interesting it is controversial it didn't used to be when it started but it is now and i think the biggest argument for why it's controversial is that there's the turkey populations in the southeastern united states and in many other parts of the u.s are really struggling I've heard that they're losing birds. Yeah. They're losing birds bad. Yeah. And to the point where they almost every state has restructured its Turkey seasons, kind of like taking the, it's like taking the rifle elk hunts away for during during the rut. Yeah. I mean, 
turkey you know, hunting is like you know that especially in the south southeast i mean that's a that's a religion like uh yes. like like nascar you know you yes. can't take away and it, it's always crazy for me to hear that too because you know we have we have uh we're borderline problematic with our turkey numbers up here they're right. everywhere in fact this morning uh there was there was one just gobbling his head off as uh as i was cooking breakfast uh, you know and, and he's he's just down there gobbling his head off and season's over now at this point yeah. but it's crazy he's gobbling like he's he's acting like that this late in the year but anyway um but to your point todd like i i, I can't remember who said it but if you know there's this there's this hashtag and i think the rmef uses this line hunting is conservation uh-huh. if if hunting is conservation we have to pay attention to that kind of stuff. If the turkey numbers are suffering, you know, we as hunters, we are the reason why the turkey numbers came up to the point in what yes. they are, yes. right? We created this. And so if they're suffering, we, we have to be the solution because you can, you could bet money that PETA is not going to be the solution. No. No. The Humane Society of the United States, they are not the solution. They, are no, they do nothing for wildlife conservation. And, and it's, it's us, it's on our shoulders. hundred percent. You know, you don't see those organizations dumping money back into conservation. It doesn't yeah. happen. They yeah. use that money to further their agenda and to pay yep. salaries of executives. You know, that's what they mm-hmm. do. And across the hunting world, I don't care if it's RMEF or Ducks Unlimited or the wild, the national Turkey uh, foundation, yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. you could name all these nonprofits that, you know, MDF, Mule Deer Foundation, you could go through the list and those, those nonprofits exist to put animals back into the ecosystem and to yeah. improve their habitat. That's what yep. they exist to do. And PETA doesn't, Humane Society doesn't, no. you know, and I, I guess to, to dwell on the Humane Society thing for one, for one moment. If you're listening to this and you hear us saying the Humane Society, the Humane Society of the United States, HSUS, right? Yep. That is the largest anti-hunting organization on the planet. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. And yeah. they're not they're not linked locally to the, your local Humane there Society you go. shelter. There you go. I, I think that's where you're going, right? That's exactly where I was going. You know, yeah. you see the, you go in the grocery store and you see the, the empty coffee can with the picture of the kitten, you know, taped to the front of it. And it's all oh, help support your local humane society shelter. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a different, that's, that's a, a different organization. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think people understand that. And so, yeah. and, I, and I think hunters aren't aware, not, not all of us, but I think some of us are, aren't aware that when we're talking about the humane society of the United States, that's your biggest enemy out there. And you better it is. recognize they, it. They, they are definitely public enemy number one. Their CEO, Kitty Block, is paid just under a million dollars somewhere. I mean, don't quote me exactly which, because right, uh, I, right. I don't, this, they, they keep that pretty hush hush, but I, I looked it up. Their uh, uh, charity navigator um, is pretty harsh with them because of how they go about getting donations, right? Um, and, and versus where they put that money. And, and it's, a, it's a corrupt organization that takes all this money. I mean, we're talking, again, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of, I could be way off on this, but the, I, I want to say that I found it was around $300 million annually 
And for what? This organization is responsible for getting a big retailer to stop selling fur coats and save some dogs from a family with COVID-19. That's basically what the claim of fame on their website is. So you have $300 million and, and that's all you could say you've done for, for animals and wildlife conservation. And, and you, you're always coming at these legislators in, in low hanging fruit areas like, like uh, San Francisco and Seattle and, and getting them to initiate legislation to ban certain hunts. Like they were behind the California bear ban HB, right. uh, yep. gosh, the yep. name, whatever the number was yep. uh, that failed. Um, they were also, they're also behind and involved in the spring bear hunt issue in Washington. So, so in the, what I argue is, is they actually do more detrimental and, and damaging harm to wildlife than they do any good. And you compare that to what the, the national Turkey Federation has done uh, and, and what the mule deer foundation has done, what, what the Rocky mountain elk foundation has done or Idaho wildlife Federation, you know, all these organizations that we have, that are actually focused on using their resources that they they get, whether it's through a banquet or other donations, they're taking those resources, putting their money where their mouth is. And that's yeah. why we have such robust whitetail populations and turkey, like turkeys, the, the turkey, we have a lot of Merriam's and Easterns up here. They're not native to Idaho, North Idaho. The reason why they're all over the place and I was able to take my daughters out and they both tagged out on their first turkey ever this spring, was because of hunters and hunting dollars and donations from hunting organizations. It's not PETA or the HSUS or Center for Biological Diversity or that uh, super kooky group out of Oregon. Uh, I'm going to totally, they had a proposition where. No, it's still there. IP, it, IP it's, 13. It's the, IP 13. It's yeah, still they, there. they wanted to rename it though. I think they, yeah, they, tried, it, they tried to rename <laughs> it so it would be something different, but. To right down I, to the point where if you're going to AI a cow, you're going to be guilty of um, sexual yeah. misconduct, basically. Yes, yes, sexual misconduct, sexual basically assault. Basically, you'd be a you sex You are sexually offender. assaulting a horse because you are artificially inseminating this horse yeah. because of the racing bloodlines or something. Right. I mean, it's ludicrous. And I actually tried to get the uh, the uh, leader of that group. Uh, I can't remember what, what his name is. Uh, he I invited him to come on my show to defend this ludicrous petition and he answered me back and he said well as long as we can agree that as humans we are animals too and we shouldn't uh we have to agree that no animals should ever die for humans and and i responded to him well that's never going to happen and if we're animals are you going to tell the wolf not to kill an elk or a deer i mean right. that doesn't even make any sense um but come on my show and talk about it and and they never will i've i've invited I don't know how many anti-hunting leaders onto my program and they've all, they either blatantly ignore me or they send some phony baloney responses to why they can't. And it's because uh, an, a debate, a, a, an, a, a, a debate based in maturity uh, and, and reasonability cannot be had between a person that comes at this from a, uh, a, a perspective that is as old as humans and science-based and factually, uh, man, I keep going blank with the words I want to use here. What's wrong yeah. with me today? You're thinking about <laughs> bear hunting. I, yeah, I am. But I, I come <laughs> at this from a, from a place with a lot of data backing my side of it. They're coming at it 
from sheer emotion, they're not going to win the argument and they know it. So they won't come on my show. Um, but I wish they would. I really do wish they would. Yeah, it would be, it would be interesting. You know, I think back about that, that, that dollar figure you threw out, you know, 300 million and, and it's a ballpark figure, right? We can agree on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I almost I am, look that up. I'm in the throes of putting together, uh, <sighs> a conservation film on sage grouse greater sage grouse and oh, nice. all yeah man it's it has been quite the journey it's been two years in the making and we're we're wrapping things up right now um trying to beat um a listing you know an, an esa listing but i just had a conversation today with a with a real sharp gal and from the audubon society and she i mean sharp real sharp been involved in sage grouse conservation for a long long time and she brought up the point about putting money back into um monitoring and back into habitat restoration you think about 300 million dollars what you could do with that if you were that organization and you really wanted to yep. affect change and do some good that's a lot of monitoring that's a lot of habitat projects that's a lot of things that that money could go to, but it doesn't. The only yeah. ones who are funding that and working on it are hunters. It's such a not, lot. Not a hundred. Not a hundred percent true because not a hundred percent. But yeah, the, the Audubon Society. That gal was. I, I doubt she's a hunter. I didn't ask her if she was, but you know, for the most part, for the most part, you're looking at hunting dollars. You know, yeah. Pitt, Pittman Robertson monies that go to fund game and fish agencies that go to fund federal studies and habitat projects. Exactly. You, you just, I mean, you just nailed it, man. I, I, again, there are, there are other organizations, you know, I don't care that maybe they're, uh, you know, just nature, you know, hikes. What do you call them? They go hiking in nature yeah. all the time or yeah. bird watchers or whatever. And they'll, they'll, they'll contribute a little bit, but, but when you, when you kind of shake all this out, the nitty gritty, the, the, the lion's share of this money, it comes from hunters. Mm -hmm. And, and like you said, $300 million compare that like the Rocky mountain elk foundation is a pretty big organization. Um, you know, but they're, they're only looking at $65 million annually, yeah. somewhere in that roughly neighborhood compare that to 300 million. It's because it's so easy to show some sad image of an, an animal that they probably got the image from a distasteful post that maybe a hunter put up. Yep. And, and show that at, at night to folks that don't understand what's going on. It's out of context. They don't, they don't understand wildlife management or hunting or anything like that. And their credit card is sitting right there, ready to donate. And, and that, that's what happens. And so that $300 million, I mean, just look at it, not even from a habitat or conservation standpoint. Um, I, it needs to cool down in this trailer, man. I'm dying in here. Um, not even from a conservation standpoint, what if you took that money and used it to purchase uh, easements in landlocked public land areas yeah. uh, throughout the West or, or free up some of that, you know, public land access areas that, that could use that? Because what, what happens when that, when that public land becomes accessible? That land then becomes valuable. It then becomes a resource a usable resource that people benefit from whether they're a hunter or they're a wildlife photographer or whatever they're doing mountain biker or whatever it, it is now that is that is 
land that is going to thrive because of the access that is available. The wildlife will improve. You know, it's just a age old argument. Yeah. I mean, well, and and to take, to take it full circle back to managing and controlling our, our, um, what we put out there Mm -hmm. for, for messaging. Right. So we go back to the HSUS and they're running these ads that they've obviously pilfered from some Facebook page or some social media account. Whereas if we're not putting that content out there, they have uh-huh. no, they have no ammunition. They don't have it. Yeah. They have no yeah. ammunition to use. So that goes back to, okay, well, Todd, you're telling me what I can and can't. No, I'm not. I'm not telling you what you can and can't post. I'm just asking you to think before yeah. you post some stuff and go, yeah, you know, I'm proud of that picture. Yeah. I'm honestly proud of that picture or that video. And I'm going to, and I'm going to put it up there. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I, I've, I've posted bad pictures in the past. Oh, we all uh, have, you, you we know, all we have. all have, especially we back have. in the early days when oh, social yeah. media was new and you yeah. were just excited to share, you know, your, your deer hunt or your successful elk hunt or, you know, a great big pile of mallards, you know, or whatever it yeah. might be. It I mean, might not have been, it might not have been the most tasteful picture that might. Yeah. We've all done it. We've all, I, mean, done I, it. I grew up in a time and a place where, they would they would let school out for hunting season. Yep, I did too. And so I, you know, the, it took me a while to even figure out that we had such this adversarial issue going on with these ANA hunters, and and I didn't even know they existed, right? And I'm talking 20 years ago, right, or uh, more, or more, yeah, yeah. I and don't so, I don't mean to date you, dude, but seriously, it was longer shut than up, that. Todd. <laughs> shut up, Todd. <laughs> so, you know, I always look at uh, one thing when so. I, I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to go down this road because I don't want to sound like, like my grandpa, no, but I, hear um, I, I, I was in, I was in the military, right? I was in the Marines and the, the, I had one of our uh, company captains or whatever was, was talking about how every little thing reflects on, on the entirety of the Marine Corps. And there's always this 10%, this, this group of 10%, they're, they're the ones that shine and it doesn't matter if it's a specific religion or a military branch or a club or a government or a political party. There's always that 10% that does bad things that makes everybody else look bad. Yeah. And it was like a week later, what happened? These Marines out of Camp Pendleton go out into uh, somewhere in California and shoot a couple of wild horses illegally. So that doesn't get reported as two poachers killed some wild horses no it gets it got reported two marines killed wild horses and and that that reflected negatively on the entirety of the marine corps and 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 put shame upon all of us right and so that concept applies to us as hunters we're a smaller group or we're five percent of the 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 nation we're we're um very susceptible to negative press and bad press and, and the things that can turn people off as to our lifestyle. And that is very, very difficult to turn those people back into, you know, a favorable attitude towards hunting. That's, that's the bottom line. So we just got to, nobody's lecturing anybody about what they can and can't post. All I am saying is, you know, just think about how, people that don't hunt would react to that how would aunt right. biddy react to that how would yep. uncle whatever 
react to that 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 has never been outside of a concrete jungle in a big city yep because, um, because we can use it we can use it to affect the opposite as well exactly it doesn't yeah. we, but we focused on the negative pretty much the entire time and that's that's mm -hmm. okay but when we do it right when we use social media as a as a tool and we do it right it can be a powerful ally for us totally. you know when totally. we talk about hunters being divided man we are where it seems like you know you yeah. you hunt this way you're a bow hunter i'm a rifle hunter you're a long range yeah. guy versus this and you know you get into the world of waterfowl and it's you know you got you know goose hunters versus duck hunters or guys that i mean we could go on ad nauseum upland about, versus about waterfowl and oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 you know and and so at the end of the day we are all on the same team you mm -hmm. know and i have i have seen social media affect me personally to the point where i'm able to have connections with a larger group of people than I, at any other time in history you know we go to the western hunt expo for example yeah and yeah, yeah. i'm running into people that i know i've never met these folks in my life but because we follow each other on social media it's like oh hey bill hey todd how's it going yeah, and yeah we've never met but because we're we're hunters we're part of that brotherhood that's that brother and sisterhood um and when it's used properly man that's a powerful tool that can bind us it together is. and help us stay connected with each other and yeah we're a small we're a small percentage of the population but we are a very passionate percentage of the population we're a feisty bunch. We're a yeah. feisty bunch. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what we got to really be careful of because like, like you said, I, I, I look at it this way outdoorsman. I don't care if you just hunt geese and that's the only thing you pursue or you're just a fly fisherman and maybe a deer hunter every once in a while. Uh, you know, there's like two types of hunters. You have your casual hunter that kind of dabbles in it every once in a while. Then you have like your lifestyle hunters who this is, this is what makes us who we are. Yeah. Um, and, and we all have the same exact goal at the end of the day. And, and though there's, there's three things that we all look to achieve. We want that primal adventure. We want the memory and we want a filled freezer that that's it. Those are the three things that all hunters are, are in pursuit of primal adventure, the memory and meat in the freezer. Um, it, it's not like how the humane society of the United States uh, looks at us and calls us trophy hunters. Uh, what they they call everything you can you could be you could be in a field hunting pheasants behind a dog and you're a trophy hunter in their mind yep. and, and and we're not going to let them label us like that they, well, i'm done the letting them label us the interesting thing i'm sorry to interrupt you but oh you're good man you said you brought up the term trophy hunter and mm -hmm. and i'm putting on my big game hat right here my eastman's hat and when taken in that traditional Disney sense of that term where your guys are going out and they're only interested in killing an animal for its antlers. Mm -hmm. That's, that's no good. That's, nope. that's, that's no good. But if we look at it, trophy hunting is conservation to steal, to kind of tweak RMEF's line because you've got mm -hmm. guys that are willing to pay big money for habitat projects big money for to help maintain healthy herds of big game animals so they can yep. achieve there are trophies in those herds you know I, mm -hmm. I grew up in michigan man there was a big buck was two years old 
You know, they just did not just oh, yeah, yeah. see that. You yeah. didn't see that. And you go to Iowa. My brother lives in Iowa now. And they got big deer running all over the place. They have I'd a different. Love, I'd love to whitetail hunt in Iowa, oh, man. man. Gosh. They have a, they have a different management model. Different. And it's, yeah, and it's more of a sure. trophy hunting mentality. You know, where it's like, we're going to manage these herds. So we're producing the largest amount of mature breeding adult male animals that we can. Yep. And then we're going to manage for um, population control through antlerless tags, you know, whether it's cow elk, doe fawn antelope, I mean, you name it. But I think we have to be careful back to the point. We have to be careful with that term trophy hunting, because again, it's easy to be to, to kind of pick on it, but if we really look at it and you look at the Pope and Young Club, you look at Boone and Crockett Club and those and what those organizations do, man, they're in it. They're in it for balanced, healthy herds because yeah. balanced, healthy herds produce high quality animals. Absolutely. I, I yeah. think that w- uh, the, the term trophy hunting, when it gets tossed around by the anti hunting organization, obviously that's a, it's a negative connotation, right? Right, they're, they're, right. Right. Oh, well, they're just trophy hunters. And, and so they're, they're, uh, they're trying to portray the, the, the story of Bambi that, uh, you know, somebody just shoots it and leaves it for dead or whatever. Um, and, and that's, that's what they're out there for. What they don't take into account is they think that their emotion outweighs the, the economies of this. And, and what I mean by that is it is because of hunting elephants that elephants still exist Yes, in, in Africa. Right. And, and when you're sitting here in the States with your, you know, ten dollar uh, cappuccino or whatever, uh, complaining about people going to Africa to hunt and and calling them trophy hunters. What you don't understand is that is not only conserving the species out there because of the way that they manage them is very tightly uh, tightly managed. I guess is is a way to put it. You the the jobs that that provides those people would not have that, and they're poverty stricken enough. So your emotions shouldn't outweigh the economy of this whole thing. And then bringing it back to the States, uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, in the American system. I'm a free man. I will not be told by somebody who is clueless on wildlife management that my life is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. It is, this is, I'm the one that uh, can trace roots to this lifestyle for as long as humans have been on this earth. It is not a new thing. This is my lifestyle. I know the benefits of it. I know what the outcome of proper hunting as a management tool is. So, so don't tell me that I'm wrong because I'm not. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, it's that, that trophy hunting term, you know, like we said, or like you said, it gets thrown around. And, it does. Yeah. And it, it insert in it. I put it this way. I've never seen a Boone and Crockett animal that didn't get eaten. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, and that's, that's another and, thing. And like, long after, and long after that meat is gone, gone, those antlers are up there on the wall. Exactly. You know, that's the those, memory part of those absolutely. three things that we're, we're searching yes. for. Right. Yes. It's a way to honor that animal. And I, you can call me a trophy hunter because I do pursue the biggest, most mature animal I can find. Oh. I'm, I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I am saying I do pursue it. So, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm just a, I, I'm a so-called humane society of the United States definition of a trophy hunter. That's yeah, it's just not yeah. what it is. Yep. No, um, I hear yeah. you. I hear you. 
Oh, dude, let's take a breath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was holy smokes. That was the fastest hour I think of my life that I've ever. That did ever go by fast. Of. Yeah, yeah, that did. did go by fast. It did big time. But yeah. so I, I just want to say thank you for for jumping on here with me. This has been a super enjoyable conversation. I think we could sit here and record all night long, you know. Oh, me too. Just keep going. We'll have to do it again sometime. I'd love Um, to get you on my show, man. I'd love to. Let's 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 get on there because I, you know, I kind of do. uh, I don't cover like Upland and Waterfowl very often because I'm not not way into Waterfowl. uh, And I should be um, because of where I live. But Upland game has been very limited for me uh, up in North Idaho. The pheasants aren't doing great up here. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'd love to get you on and talk yeah, about that. Let's stuff. do it. No, let's absolutely yeah. let's do it. But let's get you out in that bear stand and uh, see, if yeah, you man. Can, see if you can go see that that character of a bear you were telling me about. Maybe find <laughs> a big one tonight. That'd be I'm cool. looking for his grandpa. I'm yeah. looking for his gra- yeah. He shows up. He's there, but uh, not when I'm there. Yeah, they, they have a way of knowing. I tell you what. I oh, for tell sure. You what, that's cool. Well, Love Jim, it. thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And hey, I appreciate uh, it. Good luck out there, man. Hey, thanks a bunch. Thanks for having me on, man. You betcha. Uh, let's Anytime. do it again. Anytime. Appreciate it.